Welcome to Third Paradigm. We are your host, Clarity and Nuance. Third Paradigm is a digital third place, which is where people practice the art of conversation. The host and guests come from all backgrounds and different ways of thinking. We at Third Paradigm will discuss ideas and the facts of life with respect while pushing the envelope. Full disclaimer, host and guests will share their opinions. The opinions of our guests are strictly their own and do not represent the opinions of Third Paradigm. However, when we, the host, share facts, we will back them up with evidence. If we are wrong, we will make it right as soon as possible because we believe in practicing integrity. Welcome to Third Paradigm. So what do we have for today, Clary? Uh, Well, Nuance, I think uh, we're getting towards the end of the year. And I think it's good to reflect on what's been going on. There's been a lot of things that have been going on, such as just politically, such as our health in our environment and entertainment, in our culture and our economics, both, you know, not just in the US, but around the world. And I think that it's a, a, good, a good chance to kind of reflect before the new year happens. It's good to reflect in this uh, Advent season. We got the Christmas holiday, both secular and non-religious. So uh, yeah, that, I think what we're going to do is uh, this um, series, uh, it's going to be called How Do We Get Here? And that's part one today. And Part two is uh, where do we go from here? Kind of piggyback off of Dr. King's um, where do we go from here, chaos or community? I think that's a really good idea, and it's important to really reflect on what's happened this year. Because 2020, I have a theory that it brought out the worst of the world, but it also brought out the best because I've seen so much mobilization um, of communities getting together, using their resources to create change, and it is absolutely beautiful to see this happening. So Right. So I, uh, let's get on with the show. I see we've got four guests tonight. So we got some returners and some new folks. We've got Joseph here. We've got Sean. We've got Claire and Rahul. And so uh, I guess I'll start us off with the icebreaker. Yeah. Um, this is a controversial one. We, 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 we picked pretty controversial ones, but I think this one, this one might start some fights. Um, before we how, begin, we always, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And before we begin, we always just want to let everybody know your opinions do matter. We just want to respect everyone's feelings and opinions. And if you are not answering, we do humbly ask to mute the mic. And each question should approximately take about five minutes to answer. That is five minutes of total, not per person. And with that being said, thank you for taking the time out to be on the show. We are ready to go. And announce your name when you give your answer, just for, the, for our, our audience. So, <laughs> break the, the icebreaker question is, how do you pronounce this word? And I'm going to spell it. C-A-R-A-M-E-L. How do you pronounce it, and why do you pronounce it that way? <laughs> and we can start with... Oh, yep. gosh. This is Joseph here. C-A-R-A-M-E-L? That's yes. right. Uh, so I would normally say caramel. Or caramel. Those are the two ways that I would say it, but I think here in the what? U.S. people say caramel more often. But I think in, I grew up in Canada, so I think we say caramel. So, but I've been in both places, so really, that's the reason why I say it those two ways. So, so if you had to pick one, caramel or caramel, which one is it? Caramel. All right. All right, uh, Sean. How about you? 
I've always said caramel because caramel sounds more simplistic, whereas caramel, I feel that the E would need like some sort of accent. Hmm. So I'm going to go with caramel. All right. And Claire, how, how, how do you pronounce it? Caramel or caramel? come from like a baking background so I would definitely say like it depends on what I'm talking about like candy versus topping versus dessert kind of so like a caramel can like caramel candy or caramel corn you know commonly referred to as just caramel corn but like if it was like a hot like caramel topping on a des- like ice cream I think that's probably how I would pronounce it I know that's probably the easy way out because it's saying, yeah, both. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually an interesting perspective, but which one do you personally prefer? That's that's what this is about. I think I prefer the sound of caramel. Yeah! Team caramel. (laughs) Yeah, I'm biased. But, yeah. Cool. Anything else, Claire, or...? I think that's my entire opinion on the word. All right. And Rahul, uh, are you team caramel or team caramel? Okay. And why? For me, I, I, would, I, would, I prefer pronouncing it caramel because English is not my first language, and I learn how to pronounce a word, you know, based off of how people around me say it. So that's how I heard people, most people pronounce it. That's why I would say caramel is how I, and it's also, when you read it, it also makes sense to me. Like it just flows caramel. I don't have to like, you know, play with the words and whatnot. You are around very sophisticated people. That's what I will say. Yeah, very much so. What do you think, Larry? I'm seeing caramel. What about you? I notice I say caramel when I really think about it. I say caramel if I'm not thinking about it. Like, oh, I want that caramel blah, 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 blah. Like, I want the caramel macchiato. But if I really think about the situation, then I'm like, I'll have the caramel macchiato. So, like, I only see myself saying caramel with, like, maybe caramel corn or caramel apple. But everything else is like caramel. Even if it's candy, caramel candy. I I just like the word. It just rolls off the tongue. So, mm hmm Absolutely. Alrighty. So, well, thank you all for participating in this fun little icebreaker. Um, and Nuance, would you like to give the first question? Absolutely. Our first question that we have for the night is, do you believe people have the right to add choices to the menu of choices that are not there? Meaning, based on what's already out there, um, we can look at it from a political perspective or identity perspective, however you see fit. Do you believe that people have a right to add additional choices? And we can start... Hi, uh, this is Sean. Yep. Um, I think every paid customer has um, a right to add additional uh, toppings or additives to their paid product. I think that is always an option unless told differently and I, I think it's uh, something that everyone should exploit. Hmm. That's really good. Rahul, how do you feel? Okay, so I, I wouldn't say that 
every paid customer has a right to add new choices because if the provider has to offer it at first, right? So you, even though you may feel like you have the right, even if you're able to pay it, if I'm, as a provider, if I don't offer it, then you won't be able to buy it with any amount of money. And uh, so when I was looking at this question, the few things that came to my mind was who, who, who created the menu in the first place? And who sponsored mm. the menu? And who will it benefit? So if you are someone or a group, a community who will, who is going to be paying for a list of choices to be created, I think in that aspect, because this menu is created to serve you, should be open to modification based on your need. The other aspect of that I could, of this question that real that's interesting to me is, once the menu is created, it's not that uh, it, it has to be kept uh, how it is up to date, right? So if you created a menu in 1870, and then you expect it to, you know, come and be you know, effective in 2020, I think it's a little unreasonable. So I think uh, from those perspectives, it should be modifiable, but it's, I don't think it's an inherent right. It has to be, if you're paying for it, you will be able to ask for modification, but it has to be, it has to be a discussion. It has to be, it, it has to be, you know, something that, you know, you talk about, you negotiate, you cannot demand. I think that that's what I think. Yeah. That is a really good way to look at that, and that's pretty much exactly like what we're talking about is when it comes to any identities, whether it's personal or even a political party, you, you very good perspective of who wields the, who, who will the, the, the pen of where the positions came from and who does it benefit. So thank you for sharing those perspectives, Sean and Rahul. Um, yeah. Uh, Nuance, could I ask a, a, a question? I kind of want to get a little clear about something. Yeah, Just, sure. Because you made an interesting point about the person that provides. So I think I found it interesting, Sean, that you used the word exploit. So if we get a chance to round back, <laughs> I would love to ask you why you chose the word exploit. That's <laughs> a very interesting word. <laughs> but, but to the point, I want to ask. Well, uh, well, Sean, do you have a quick explanation for exploit? Actually, you know, I think about it. Um, uh, that's just the word that just came into. <laughs> that word. I like that. Word. I guess that really wasn't the, the most descriptive, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, everyone should understand what's on the menu and not only ask what's already on it, but, you know, let's say if someone wanted to add pickles on the sandwich, you know, it doesn't really hurt to be like, hey, can I pay a little extra just to throw some pickles on that, you know? It, it, that goes to the point of what I was going to ask, um, bro. Like, I understand what you mean. Like, the person who's providing, it's like you don't necessarily have the inherent right. However, so let's say this is the only restaurant in town, right? Let's use Sean's example. And you have a gluten intolerance or a gluten allergy. You need to be served in something that's gluten free, but they don't have it. So. People have been in that situation, and it was through asking, and as uh, Frederick Douglass would say, nothing, power can seize nothing without a demand. We have a lot of gluten-free options, which didn't exist for a long time. So it's like, in one way, I respect what you're saying is like, you just can't demand any and everything. But in certain instances, is it not right for the person that is the patron to be like, hey, I kind of need this? So that, that's my only little pushback. I, I wonder to know what you thought about that. 
We got about a minute left on the question. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I definitely. So I want to make make clear that I, what I meant was when you when I said that you can demand it is, you can just go that hey, I want pickle. It doesn't matter whether or not you have it. I want pickle and I can pay for it. It doesn't. Ah, that's not how you should go about it. If, I think if it's the only restaurant in the town and uh, and if you go and ask them politely and even like use other means, right? Of you know whatever you can use to get them to start offering gluten free options, I think you should you should you should definitely explore all the avenues to get get to where you want to go. But you cannot force people. That's my that that was behind that was my main reason for using the word demand. Like, I see. Very good perspective. Thank you. And Claire, um, we want to make sure we get you in if you have anything to add to the topic. I guess the only thing that I would add is, you know, similar to the demanding things on a menu is, is my participation in the menu, does that mean adherence to only that, you know, you don't get things without asking for them, so, but there's a tactful way of doing that. You don't have to be the guy that, like, says, I want, I want pickles because I'm a paying customer, you know. You can be the guy that says, hey, do you guys offer pickles? And just ask every time you go in, you know. And by the fourth or fifth time, they might be like, hey, I remembered you wanted pickles. We're starting to offer that now, you know. It's, mm. You get more, you catch more flies with honey than you do vinegar, you know. Excellent views. And we have Joseph left for this one. Would you like to add in a, we got about a minute left on this one. Do you have anything else to just throw in there? I was going to add in, uh, ra other than just food, like even things that are not on the quote unquote menu, like uh, terms or um, I don't want to say labels or just ways that you identify yourself. So like uh, on the menu before uh, in the LGBTQ spectrum, you know, people did not recognize, you know, people who are trans. So and now it's becoming normalized. They recognize that, yes, there is, there are trans people there and that they should be recognized. Mm -hmm. So just because you're not represented um, and you are a minority doesn't mean that you can't be put on the menu, you know? Everyone, it, you know, we need to bring everyone to the table. Well, that's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of wordplay there, but um, oh, I'll, I'll put it that way. <laughs> just because, like, Maybe back in the day, there were no seats on the bus for people of color. Mm -hmm. You make your Right. Maybe, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you all for sharing. So. Yes. So let's move on to the next question. Uh, number two is, describe how government members who represent your specific ideology have contributed to distrust in government in the government system and i want to direct this at joseph since you you just kind of you kind of gave a nice segue into that can you re can you repeat that one more time yes describe describe how government members who represent your specific ideology have contributed to distrust in the government so like somebody that you like right or somebody that you say, oh, okay, I would vote for that person, whether you like them or not. It's just maybe that's the best option at the time, lesser two evils. But or you like them, but they're not perfect. How has they contributed to the distrust in the current government system? Oh, this is a tough one. I'm trying to think here because there's no one at the top of off the top of my mind that I voted for. 
that I, you know, I thought that they contributed any distrust. But uh, I'll take this back four years ago. Rewind um, the last presidential election. I, my family was very split between voting, you know, Democrat or Republican, and it was between Hillary Clinton and, of course, Donald Trump. Donald Trump won, even though I did not vote for him. I did have a high hopes, thinking that oh, maybe he will clean the swamp, drain the swamp, whatever term he uses, make America great again. Hey, let's give this guy a chance. You know, he's something different. Talked very big, but as you can see, in the past four years, uh, I still don't know how people can, you know, still support him up to now. He's still, uh, you know, tr trying to overturn the votes of uh, in the last election, saying that it was stolen or that it was. It, it was um, cheated, but like if you look at his track record, yeah, it, it's been a big disappointment. So even though I had high hopes for Donald Trump, because yes, he is our president, and you know we always wish for the best for our country and our citizens. I think you know well, he made a lot of bad decisions. That that's an interesting perspective. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you. Uh, uh, next, how about Claire? Um, what? Do, how about you? How do you believe people who? represent or at best may represent your ideology um because it's easy to talk about the people who don't represent you but how do you feel that people who do represent you how do you feel that they have fallen short and contributed to the distrust that people have in the government i would say it's it's definitely um it's not even necessarily a mistrust but a miscommunication there's a disconnect. There's something that they're not communicating that creates an animosity from the other side. And I think a lot of it, especially when it comes to, you know, personally, I would, I don't really identify with a specific party. I don't like the, the, the like, <laughs> the def definition of that. Um, but I would say, like, I definitely lean more liberal or progressive. And I think a lot of times in conversations, people who do have those ideologies, instead of using terms that anyone can understand, it's a lot of talking down and in numbers that, you know, lots of, you know, rattling off facts and numbers and this is what we're going to do for you. And, like, how do you not mm -hmm. agree with this? And it's just, like, making people feel dumb for their opinions. And I think that creates a mistrust and it doesn't even create a mistrust it just creates a why would I vote for someone that's talking down to me you know why would I I think that that's something that you know a lot of progressives and a lot of people on the democratic or liberal side of things have trouble um, communicating in in a in a way that anyone can understand you know mm. that old, it's that old adage of you know the reason why people would vote for you know certain people is because you know like it's it's kind of a definitely old idea but you know the guy that you can sit and have beer with you know mm -hmm. you, you mm -hmm. want to vote for someone that you relate to you want to vote for someone that you see yourself in and when someone's talking down to you or belittling you for having a certain belief structure or a certain religious belief or maybe you're a little fundamental in your in your religion you know being talked down to is not going to get you to come to the other side or somehow see the light so i think you know mm -hmm. that specifically i think for me has been um, a hard a hard lesson in communication that thank you for being very honest and vulnerable because i i've heard that a lot um that having contempt for people even people you disagree with they'll never ever 
hear you out. Like it's one thing to hold people accountable and like be like, hey, this is the integrable or this is what is integrity. This is integrous, you know, and saying, you know, even if you're not going to go after someone's motives per se, but you're saying regardless of your motives, this is the results of these actions and decisions versus saying what's wrong with you. Into voting for someone. Exactly. And, and do you believe that progressives and liberals are the only guilty part? Well, the question was about your own side, but you believe that they're the only ones. Oh, no, not at all. I think that there's right. that on both sides. I think that, you know, I think that honestly, and the way that I see it is, you know, even Republicans talk down to their base. Yes. And yes. Liberals do the same thing to their own base. They, yes. you know, you they, people are constantly talking down to and or, you know, making people feel guilty for their belief structure. And it's like, that's not, that's not how we start conversations. Like, that's not how we meet in the middle. That's not how you get people to, you know, think differently or change their opinion. Right. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, Claire. Um, next, um, wants to give it to Raul. Okay. Um, so I'm going to use uh, what, some, some of the recent events to, you know, explain why some of the actions that some of those events led me to, you know, discharge some of our government officials. So it's, you know, how some of these uh, uh, liberal progressive states like California, New York, and Michigan, they were like Im imposing strict COVID-19 regulations and asking people to, you know, you know, follow all the social guidelines. And then, mm -hmm. and then you know how news and uh, came out where. One went to a spa, another one went to a big party. Yes. One husband yes. was on a boat So those sort of actions, hypocrisy, is what yes. really, is, for me, is the biggest, uh, you know, factor that leads into distrust. Not necessarily distrust, but how would I say it? Like, uh, doubt the intention of some of some of the some of the some of these uh, leaders. So. Excellent. And I, I think that that is it. It's a lot of leaders that do it. And I, I feel bad for small businesses that are told one thing. Like I saw a lady in California and she was told, hey, you got to do your eating outside. And so she shifted her whole business. And now the governor of California, who happens to be a liberal, got caught, you know, eating inside without a mask. But then tells all the businesses, no, no, eating outside is not safe. You have to shut down. And yet 50 yards away, they'll have a movie production company in tents outside and that's safe and so the little business is kicked out and the big businesses are buying up everything and they're able to do stuff even though they may be more dangerous so i totally see where you're coming from that's what you reminded me of uh and uh sean yeah um i'd say there's a lot of economic distrust um, some financial promises that were made but not fulfilled. I hear a lot of candidates hmm. really um, making overdone promises that are just way too far-fetched for hmm. them to even follow through if, you know, when, when they become president. They, they don't really fulfill those promises that they really make uh, during the election, and I feel that uh, there isn't a whole lot of uh, hard work put into that. 
You know, do they actually take note of those promises? I see that mm-hmm. on both sides. Mm. And quite frankly, it angers me because if they're going to make some promises, they better write that down and actually follow through with it and actually make some sort of progress with each and every one. Um, also, I hear a lot of uh, push on supporting for the youth. Um, vote for me. Every, all the younger uh, voters out there, go vote for me. But mm-hmm. when they actually get voted in office, like what plans do they actually make that benefit the, the youth? I mean, I hear a lot about uh, policies on social, social security, mm-hmm. um, benefits for the elderly and big corporations, but I don't really hear them really do what they can to help eliminate debt for, for uh, struggling uh, young adults. Mm. And, uh, it, but when it comes to election season, that's where they really push for us, you know, because we're kind of the future of the nation, but right. I just don't feel that there's an, uh, there's a lot of unfulfilled promises and not a whole lot of support for the youth and not to mention vacations. That's a, that's a big one too. You know, I what do you, always hear, what do, you, what do you mean by vacations? Like, um, I, I hear uh, the current president golfing oh. <laughs> you know, yeah. in Florida or, you know, going on a spa at, you know, at a place around the world. Like I understand president, you know, there's, it's a big job, but this isn't something that should really put a snooze button all the time, every other weekend or, or anything. This, I, I like to see them grind more. That's real. Oh, you know, I want to jump in there really quickly since we're talking about, uh, you know, the elections and voting. And, and who's speaking? I know uh, the, the first episode that I guessed it on for Nuance and Clarity, uh, we were talking about, um, you know, I'm part of this Up to Us campaign, uh, which we were trying to increase voter participation and get people out to vote. You know, mm-hmm. when people look at politics, and especially since uh, I am interning for the House of Representatives, I did not know how difficult it was to get a law passed. So these people that are making promises, it's, you know, it's easier for the, you know, a person who's not involved in politics or just watching things on the news or whatnot to say that these politicians are not working to fulfill their promises. Uh, a lot of them are working to fulfill their promises, but because of the way that, that democracy works, it's not that easy. So like um, the representative that I'm working for right now, her name is Representative Pat Cooper, representing House District uh, 41 of uh, Michigan, which includes Troy and Clawson. She's part of the Prescription Drug Task Force. And we've been pushing for certain bills to um, get approved, you know, to get moved on. But, um, you know, we're, you're dealing with many politicians. You're dealing with things like bills are tie-barred and, and, you know, locked on with other bills that maybe one party or certain people don't want to pass, so then the other bill gets killed. It's more difficult and more complex than you think. So, yes, they make these promises. And, yes, a lot of them are trying to keep true to those promises. But because of the nature of making laws, proposing laws, getting them approved, sometimes those laws don't come in. So it's easy to say that these politicians aren't working for you. But, you know, in no, no matter how, whatever way that they, you know, get their work done, they really try to, to do the best for their constituents and try to keep true to these promises. 
Mm, absolutely. So if I could add just really quickly on top of that, I think it's it's more that instead of saying that they can't make promises, it's managing the expectations of those promises. Mm. Like, you know, it'd be one thing if they went out and said, like, I'm going to try my best. I'm going to try my darndest to get this law passed. But instead they say, I'm going to get this passed and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this other one. Mm -hmm. Over-promising, I think, that we're, I would say is the bigger problem, not necessarily that they can't follow through. Because I think a lot of us, you know, at least younger voters are a little bit more aware. We do know that it is a harder process. We all watched School of Rock growing up, you know. (laughs) Yeah, so it's like, you know, we know how long it takes to get a bill passed and how how things become laws, but the problem is not necessarily that process for us. It's over-promising that you're going to deliver on that process. That is really good. Yes, yeah, so much yes. Yeah, so so basically, people feel gaslit, basically. Ah. I think it's bad. You know what? You're, people are adults here, and you should already know if you know that these people, because like when you're campaigning, you're not going to say, I try. The language that you're going to use is it's affirmative and strong. So like if, if you are informed and you know how, how difficult laws, you know, I guess it is to get a law made, then you should manage your own expectations. Like I have to disagree with that opinion. And these are excellent, excellent influences, and, but we've got to move on to the next question. Yeah, and actually, I'm going to put it in a di- little bit of a different order um, because everyone's opinions really gave some really good self-reflection on that one. So for this next question, I'm going to direct it at Rakul first, and then I will open it up to Claire. Um, if you had the ear of a person in power who shares your political view, what is one thing that you would tell them to improve for the situation of the country? So Rahul? Okay, I, what is one thing I'll tell you, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, one thing that I'll tell them is go get out there at, right now at this moment and speak to the people and tell them that we do not have to hate each other just simply because we have different political views. So. I feel like currently we live in an, an environment where we're continuously being stoked to think that if someone else has a different political opinion than me, then they're that person. I think I would like I'd like that, that person to get out and just like tell everyone that it doesn't matter if you have a different political opinion or whatever. We're still human beings, and. I, and if I and I'm working for all of you, it doesn't matter if you have a different political opposing political view than mine. So that's one thing I would say. That is perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that. So Claire, yeah. I guess to add to what Raul said, I, I would say it would be um, you know not only just that we're not enemies. You know, difference of opinion doesn't mean. Like, you know, the other person's evil or good or bad, you know, I think it comes down to the, 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 the thing that I would try to stress and or get them to stress is that there's a difference between politics and human rights. There are certain things that you can politicize and there's certain things that you can't politicize. People's right to life cannot be politicized. People's right to be heard and, you know, there's certain human rights that just it's not a political opinion 
and that we have to stop talking in terms of political opinions when it comes to certain things because it's just not true. Like, it's just every human deserves this base to come from. Every human deserves food and water and shelter and a right to live, you know, a right to medical care. Like, you know, these are life or death situations for people, and I don't think that we should be talking about them in terms of political opinion. I agree. Right of persons. I agree. I very much agree. So, Sean, how do you feel? Um, I'll pass on this one. Absolutely. And Joseph? Joseph? Sorry, I, I, I thought I was going to answer this question. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> And when it comes to, you know, to, um, I, with Claire, I'll riff off what she was saying. When it comes to certain things like human rights, healthcare, it's, it's a sad state that people politicize these things because these are not political things. Like, um, I'm going to call into uh, one of these Facebook groups. Like, I know that a lot of my friends participate in these uh, groups online where you, you can share stories and things like that. And uh, one of the groups on Facebook is an honor society group that I'm part of. And when... Issues like, you know, um, Black Lives Matter or uh, racism towards Asians because of the Kung flu or the coronavirus. People are like, oh, why do you have to talk about that? It's not, this is a place, you know, for, for scholars to talk about school and, and things like that. And I was like, what are you talking about? Don't people study this? Like, some people study political science. Some people are studying gender studies or, or um, um, race relations. So, like, why are you trying to stifle people because these are things that make you feel uncomfortable? Just because uh, we're talking about human rights and maybe you, you may not uh, be, be privy to, to the sufferings of minorities, it doesn't discount that these are valid discussions. And um, I just found it surprising that this is a group of scholars, and usually one would think that scholars would be the servant leaders that are at the forefront to fight for these rights and to fight for these underrepresented uh, peoples uh, or people that are being discriminated against. So human rights are not political. Human rights are human rights, and we should not be afraid to talk about them. Absolutely. Thank you so much for everyone for sharing on that one, because that is definitely um, something that I've noticed that all political perspectives feel is that there are certain things that really shouldn't be politicized, and there are certain things that can be politicized, and then there's a lot of intersectional issues. So thank you all for sharing your perspectives on that one. That was very, very good. So Clarity, we can move on to the next question. Clarity? So, sorry, I had myself on mute by accident. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> all right. Oh, no, I, I agree with that answer that, that Joseph gave. So this is the question. Why do you believe that there are people who have a hard time letting others live differently than they do? And I want to start this question with Sean. Okay. Um, why do I think other people have a hard time understanding? Can you repeat the question one more time? Yeah. Um, why do you believe there, there are people who have a hard time letting others live differently than they do? Um, you know, that's an excellent question. I can't really think of a good direct answer for that. I feel that uh, some people just do not respect the difference of opinion as well as their difference of living. Um, 
whether that be uh, cultural background or uh, religious background, it's just something that's always been, and I've never really understood it myself. Understandable. Thank you for that. Uh, how about you, uh, Claire? So I, I guess I like to look at it from a place of I want to think the best of people. And a perfect example would be like uh, growing up in the religion that I was. I and I I went to Catholic schools and I wasn't Catholic um, for a short period of time in my schooling. And I used to get adults trying to convert me and or telling me that I was going to be going to hell because I didn't believe what they believed. And a lot of times I ended up talking to my father about it and the way that he put it was absolutely beautiful and I think about it to this day is that person is afraid for your soul. Like when when people don't respect, when you, when you don't think that they respect your, how you want to live, a lot of times it comes not from a place of, you know, outright hate, you know, sometimes it does, yes, those exceptions to every rule, but a lot of times I, I want to believe that it comes from a place of not only just their lack of understanding, but also that there's some kind of way they feel that the way that they live is the right way to live, and they want to look out for you by correcting the behavior. They think, wow, like, you know, I think that the way that I'm doing it is right. Why wouldn't I want to share that with other people and try to better them? And so I kept, that's part of it. Obviously, you know, the, like I said, there's exceptions to every rule. Some people just hate. You know, that's going. That's the reality of life. There's there's going to be people that just that they just haters gonna hate. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At the same time, I think you know when it comes to political opinions, or especially because a lot of a lot of people base their political opinions on morals, and I think a lot of people base their morals on religion. So it's mm. you know they, it kind of all ties together in that way, and so that's why I think it, it comes from a place of like you know I think that this this thing that I found is right, this this path that I'm on is right. So why couldn't it work for someone else? Like you want to mm. you automatically want to help, you want to correct the behavior in others, thinking that what you're doing is the way to do it. You know, I really appreciate that answer because I've always believed that if someone comes at like that, even if they come in a very uh, tone-deaf way, the way you said they're afraid for your soul, it's kind of like they're loving you with the identity, what's at the center of that identity, which is their faith. And, you know, how is it that people of different religions can be best of friends? There may be this understanding that even if we disagree ultimately on you know, who is right, we're kind of focused on what's right, and that that's a victory against evil in a sense. And it's like, that person may be worried about me, but they're loving me with all of themselves in that sense versus the hateful sense where religion gets used. So that, thank you for that insight. That was very they're powerful. coming from a place of love and they care right. and wanting to help. And I think that's, that's the thing that I see in people as like an innate, like that's in everyone, human nature. Mm. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And this question's still open to the floor for anybody else, or we can move on to the next one. I, um, I, I know we, uh, this is Rahul. Mm -hmm. So I was going to say, why do they see them, answer the part, why, why do they see them as an enemy? Uh, so I think most of what other speakers have 
said is completely, I can totally agree with them. I also want to say that, you know, it's also how you grew up and what was your social condition. Mm-hmm. Yes. And why do we see them as an enemy? I don't think as an enemy, I think it's your evolutionary survival instinct that comes into play. Because when you, 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 are, you become automatically protective against the, something that you don't know. I, I think it's almost innate. I don't think, I don't think people are intentionally trying to become enemies. I think it's just their initial reaction to something they don't know. Mm. I fully understand. Wonderful. All right. Well, Nuance, you want to take the next one? Yeah, absolutely. We only got two questions left and then we will wrap it up. So the right. second to last question that we have is if I were to speak to my pre 2020 pandemic self, I would say blank, knowing what I know now. And we're going to leave these last two questions open to the floor. Okay, Rahul again, so I could get us started. Yeah. <laughs> so, All right, <laughs> that's fine. So the first thing that comes to my mind, I would buy a lot of masks. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. for a mask collection. <laughs> I like that. I would, I would add gloves, because everybody's worried about toilet paper, but gloves are important. Invest in the bidet. The bidet! <laughs> yes, bidet, bidet 2020. <laughs> That's very good, Rubo. Go ahead. But, but, but now, on a serious note, what, I don't think I, uh, if I knew, if I knew what I know right now, what I would say is, I'll do everything that I can so that, you know, I can somehow influence the mass opinion about wearing masks and social distancing. I would, I would do everything that I can so that we, I, I, I re, because right now I really hope we never ever politicize this aspect of this pandemic. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's something I would, have, I would, have, I would do anything that I could to just, you know, keep, keep that from happening. So. Yeah. Hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. Anybody else? Um, I guess I'll jump in. <laughs> Claire here. Um. I would say I, if, it depends on how far ahead of the pandemic, because I would just tell myself, go out to eat as much as you can at your, your favorite restaurants where you're from. <laughs> 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 oh, oh. Go out to all the concerts and all the gigs and all the shows and all the Claire. if you want to now. Claire, like, we gotta hang out. <laughs> <laughs> Like you, me, my wife, we got to hang out. <laughs> You're a foodie. We got to hang out. Going out and hanging out with people in that environment. I miss going and seeing my friends working behind a bar or like, or cooking up some awesome food. Like I miss supporting my friends in those ways. Like obviously, yes, you can support, you know, your local restaurants by trying mm-hmm. to get gift cards for the future or, you know, ordering takeout if they've been able to, you know, convert to that. But, you know, some businesses, that's not, it's not viable for them. Like they just mm. they couldn't get, they couldn't get to the click and collect sphere of things in time and like just haven't been able to open up again. And it's just, it's making me sad, man. It's making me really sad. And I just, I would definitely tell myself like, just support all of it. Like go out and enjoy it now, like while you can. And then I guess, you know, for something that would maybe last 
into the pandemic too is just uh, you know I've probably said it before I think I might have even mentioned it in the last episode but it's like give yourself a break be patient with yourself like you know time is going to pass and you just got to try and keep your own head right like you're not going to be able to do certain things and it's going to be super frustrating but mm-hmm. take some mm-hmm. self-care time beautifully worded thank you both we'll leave that open to the floor for we got about two minutes left on the question and then i'm going to direct that question actually to clarity too so oh all right uh, so we'll leave it open to the floor if anyone would like to jump in um if i were to tell me anything before the pandemic i'd say just put all your home projects on hold <laughs> I, I feel like it's a little bit of an echo of what uh claire already covered but i feel like i did a lot of at home projects and where i should have actually gone out and like done stuff with friends and also hugged my friends longer um a lot longer uh, and enjoy being around uh, my family uh, as well as Thanksgiving you know Thanksgiving is actually my favorite holiday and I feel like I should have enjoyed my Thanksgiving last year just twice as much Mm. considering this year very reflective thank you for sharing that uh, we got about a minute left, so I wanted to ask Clarity, like, what would you say to your pre-pandemic 2020 self, knowing what you know now? Um, wow, that's, I, I mean, I would tell myself to do the things I'm doing now, stay prayerful, um, stay grateful, be safe, um, definitely mask up, glove up, um, Definitely stay with the cotton balls in the ears because ears, nose, and mouth are connected, so that helps. Face shield, all of that. Uh, that I guess I would tell myself it's okay to be afraid, and it's okay that you're not in control. Um, that that lesson that control is the biggest idol of our lives, the sense of control that we think we have. Like you're really gonna learn that you're not, and that it's okay. I agree with the, uh, what Claire said. Take some self-care time. Um, definitely would have appreciated those restaurants as well. Uh, I think that, uh, what Raul said with, um, not politicizing the whole mass thing, I wish that would not have happened. And, um, I'm I still stand by what Raul said. Like we, we definitely should just look out for one another. And, uh, um, I guess, uh, definitely, even if you're afraid, do things scared and this podcast actually kind of came out of that um take the time to really invest mm-hmm. in yourself um and uh continue to spin wisely because uh yeah yeah everyone uh, shared very beautiful perspectives so thank you very much for sharing that one and um normally i don't really interject too much when it comes to asking questions but like for me, I'll ask myself that same question. Like, yeah, well, I'll ask it. How would you say to yourself? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, like uh, Robert was saying, it's one of those like prepare for masks, um, invest in that, um, be prepared for the rise of the bidet. I mean, I have one now, and I'm really happy about it. Um, so a lot of those like oh, things wow. are kind of like they're they're pretty legit. Yeah, there's a detachable stuff. You don't have to buy a whole toilet for them. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. 
but um, they come in handy. But on a deeper, deeper level, like everyone has shared today, um, really focus a lot on the two things, the people that you care about very deeply around you, because again, this year has shown we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, and it brought the realism forward. I have a personal theory that part of the reason why these movements have taken off, like Black Lives Matter, more voting, more youth coming out, all that kind of stuff was in large part because this one was a global pandemic. This was not just the U.S. The other thing, too, was is that sadly some people lost their jobs and lost their businesses, and when we're all in quarantine, it forced everyone to stop and look at the world for what it is. And when we saw the deaths that happened, both from the virus and from police brutality and other, all kinds of reasons for people to pass, it yeah. forced people to kind of mobilize and say the world, I never realized how bad it really was. And from that, the energy building inside everybody became a mobilization for change. I'm seeing more movements. I'm seeing um, more people getting out there and involved to try to connect people. Like for me, it, that's that's what I've been inspired by. Is 2020 is how fragmented and how complicated everything is because I straddled both sides of the world, both from a conservative perspective growing up and then a liberal perspective later in life or however you want to look at it. So I can see and empathize with the different perspectives. It's just a matter of trying to remind myself that at the end of the day that we're all human and we need to rehumanize each other. I think that's the key thing from this year is rehumanize. And then that even goes into the inner self. Like you're saying, Claire, take more time for your mental health. Know that doing very little is perfectly okay. If that's the level that you can handle, that is perfectly okay. Do it to the best of your ability. Do it to the full extent that you can do it. But if all you do is just something small, like, I don't know, learn a new lesson, learn how to cook something or whatever, small victories, that's important. Celebrate it. It doesn't matter because we glorify people who balance so much on their plate. But the problem is, is in that process, we end up forgetting ourselves. And it causes us to really have really bad breakdowns. And this year has been extremely difficult. So I think I can't agree more um, with everyone else who's shared that it's both that external and in the internal and really just brace yourself. <laughs> I think that's what I would say mm -hmm. to myself in 2019 is just brace yourself, but take very good care of your own mental health, value how you feel, value what your beliefs are and what you can handle. And don't be afraid to tell people and be vulnerable, especially with your inner circle of friends. So with that, we'll move to the very last question. And again, we want to say thank you to everyone today for coming on and taking the time out to answer these questions. So, um, Clarity, are we ready for the last one? Oh, uh, yes, yes. And thank you for that uh, nuance, that very detailed answer. I definitely appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, so uh, this is an open question of floor. What was it like sharing um, open perspectives in this discussion and who touched or inspired you? Yeah, it's open to anybody. I guess I'll jump in first. Um, I don't know. I, I definitely, I always love hearing other people's opinions. Um, hearing different perspectives is one of my favorite things. That's why I've kind of fallen in love with the podcast, guys. Um, Yay. Aw, thank you. Yay. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, like, even just talking um, about the, 
I'm trying to remember what verbatim what was said, but you know, um, I think it was a couple points that Raul made about the like the menu question, which I found really interesting and kind of thought provoking. Um, just in that, like you know, the like the broadening of the menu doesn't have to be, you know, um, I'm trying to remember exactly what was said. <laughs> Forgive me, but. Um, yeah, just, I mean, I, I thought that whole question was really interesting and the answers that were given, especially it just, because it was, like, to me, I thought of it as, like, just an analogy, and then when you got down to the, like, more philosophical, like, just, like, even just the analogy itself, and, like, you know, more options on a menu and using that, and analogy further of like you know how to, how would you go about providing that for a paying customer versus you know um you know just it being something that you just can't do because it's not there like the option's not there you know i don't know i just thought that that whole question was really interesting and i particularly liked the aspects that Raul brought up oh perfect excellent thank you Thank you for sharing that. Leave it open. Yeah, anybody else? Uh, this is Rahul here. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to say this is, this is the first time I'm participating in a forum like this. And what really got me, you know, interested when my wife asked me, hey, do you want to join, you know, take part in this uh, podcast? I was it's this question. I just want to give a shout out to whoever wrote these questions. I think they're very timely, and I think uh, whoever wrote this is very genuine and sincere, and which I think is a rare commodity in this day and time. And uh, I think uh, I just want to like give you guys a shout out for doing this, and I also um, feel grateful for being able to take part in this uh, forum. So thank you. Thank you so oh, much for coming thank here. Thank you. Today. Thank you. And thank you for sharing like your perspective. It was very interesting, very uh poignant. Thank you. We're very honored. Thank you. Uh got one more or that's it for tonight. Yeah, we're just leaving it open to the floor. So if anybody wants to answer that last question, then we can close it out. All right, we'll close it out. Um we just wanted to say thank you so much for everyone who came on today. Um, and th those words mean a lot to hear for all of us with our team with Third Paradigm. Yeah. It's, like you were saying earlier, Clarity, that 2020 brought out everything. It brought out, like we were talking about tonight, like the worst that we've seen, but also the best. And this yeah. podcast is an example. This is an example. This podcast only existed because of what's happened in 2020. We, we at our team felt that there are a lot of people who feel unheard from all perspectives. We've had people on the show who lean both left and right. We've had conservatives, yeah. we've had Republicans, we've had Democrats, progressives, liberals, independents, moderates. We've um, had very religious people, very spiritual people, very agnostic people. We've had adoptees, we've had indigenous people. I mean, we've had an all women's group, we had all men's group on here um, talking about the same issue, how to talk to people that you disagree with. And uh, we've yeah, had we've a had lot of different yeah a lot of different things and i i, I think uh the fact that you mentioned all like these movements happening you know just like you said brace yourself i think the last thing i would have told myself is yeah everybody's saying yeah i'm done with 2019 don't be in a rush 
Just take it a day at a time, because we started 2020 with World War Three almost happening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think the coronavirus. <laughs> exactly. I think also, just kind of piggybacking off what you just said, um, and I'll close it out on this one, is just really think about both the people who surround you and that they are your family and they're there to support, because... There's a quote that somebody said once I really admired that basically said, if you want proof of the creator or God or the universe or whatever, just look into the eyes of those who love you. And mm. there is proof. And that's something that I feel is really important for every one of us, regardless of people's beliefs or positions or identities, to understand at the core. And then, like we've mentioned before tonight, at the end of it all, you matter yourself. So it's important to look at your own mental health, look at your own levels of what you can control and contribute and be able to say, you know, this is a lot. I'm going to step back or no, I feel empowered. I'm going to take on more. But knowing your own limits and knowing yourself, I think is like the biggest lesson. And I actually had this conversation with someone earlier that if you look at the United States, it's almost like a living organic body, like the whole country has a physical living right. thing. Every one of us is like a cell, and every one of us is going through the same thing that the country's going through, coming into right. our own, figuring out who are we, where, where do we fall in this, what is our mission in life, where do we lean? We used to believe this, now we have to change to this, and change is difficult. So it's all interconnected, and we're all more connected to the land than we think. So, You know what? And I think to, 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 to complement what you're rounding up, it seems like 2020 has really shown that um, and I heard from this from somebody who named the uh, Funky Academic, who I highly recommend people should watch, um, especially when it came to the kids who graduated from high school and college in 2020 but couldn't go to graduation, that really having a meaningful life is like what we're trying to do, finding out our purpose and who we are, is really finding a way to contribute to more sophisticated forms of freedom. And I think that that's really what um, 2020 has shown, that freedom is not just property rights you know it is the relationships and the people you know exactly freedom is both external and internal so Absolutely. thank you everyone for coming on the third paradigm tonight and thank you for contributing and being open and vulnerable and honest with these questions and we hope to see you back again next week when we do our part two of where do we go from here so now we've talked about how did we get to this point. Now it's time to kind of come together as a community and come up with some action plans. What is going to happen in 2021? How do we move forward? How do we avoid this to happen again? All these different ideologies. So again, from the bottom of our hearts here at Third Paradigm, thank you all for coming on and supporting the yes. show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Thank take care, everybody. Have a good night. Thank you. Thank you. All right.